Hard Truth Tony Schaefer, powered by Six Hour, never settle. I had a choice of what I carried in combat. I always carried the best. The best is Six Hour. I recommend you two carry the best. And this week, what have I got? I'm pulling out the grab bag here. Ah, it's my uh, 45 P220 carry. Uh, highly recommend these weapons. Uh, they are amazing. They work, and they work, but most importantly, when you need them to work. So carry six hour. Uh, we are on the America Out Loud talk radio network, also available on the America Out Loud podcast network. Check us out at projectsentinel.com and .net. And we are on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Rumble, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously, uh, do a shout out to my friend Sheree Curry, who does our, our theme and bumper music. I'm wearing her T-shirt today from her J Japan tour days. Sheree, uh, love you big. Thank you for all the support to the show. And without further delay, we're bringing in our guest this week. Cheryl Chumley is uh, the online opinion editor and commentary writer and host of The Bold and the Blunt, a great show, I might add, since I was on it. You're saying that if you're going to be on a show, it's a good one. And she's with The Washington Times, a frequent media guest and public speaker. She's the author of several books, the latest title, Lockdown, The Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedom, which is absolutely what happened, and they tried, and I think to continue. And Socialists Don't Sleep, The Christians Must Rise, or America Will Fall. And I think Reagan, Ronald Reagan, one of my heroes, would agree with you on that. So, Cheryl, welcome to The Hard Truth. It's so great to be with you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for being here and uh, <clears throat> adapting to the circumstance. So we, we, look <laughs> yeah. forward, we look forward to the conversation. So... Man, oh man, uh, we're talking at an interesting time of, of our history where I've said publicly uh, that we essentially have a form of a, the high school debating team in charge of our foreign policy at the White House. And no more apparent has been the complete serial failures of policy presented to the American people uh, as it has been over the next few last, last few weeks. First off, uh, I'm, I'm going to say this, so I don't want to get you in trouble, but I think the Hamas attack was largely, uh, I don't want to say underwritten, but I don't know what term to use exactly, but the, the serial failures of the Biden administration to, to, to project a form of collective security for our allies is one of the causal factors of why Hamas struck. And, and there's been credible reporting saying Hamas and the Iranians started planning this right after the Afghan withdrawal debacle. So that's one point I want us to start off with. Secondly, just the way Biden presents himself and Tony Blinken, the secretary of state, presents himself. And then uh, Lloyd Austin, uh, and I know Lloyd, uh, General Austin, I served for him in, in Afghanistan when I was a, a major and he was the, the, the commanding general there. So I know him. The way they present the U.S. policy is feckless. It's without passion without, dare I say, being convincing. So what do you make of the Joe Biden initial response to the Hamas attack in general? Well, weak is number one. That's the yeah. first word that comes to mind. And I, I get this image of Joe Biden sitting around the table with some of his cabinet officials, and they're all biting their nails thinking, what, what do we do? What do we do? But really, their, their focus is more on image than yes. it is on anything <clears throat> substantial and helpful. And I think that's why you see Joe Biden flying over there, because it's a great photo op moment where he can make a stand and have photos and have the media fawn over him as if he's taking a strong military stand for America and our allies. But 
really behind the scenes, you get conflicting messages, right? Where does this administration stand on its support of Israel? That's something that's been a concern for a few years now. Right. So let's break that down a little bit, because to your <clears throat> point, um, he looked like death warmed over. I mean, it, it, the, the <laughs> video. On a good day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but this was especially terrible. He had that. You remember that movie, uh, The Deliverance, the, the banjo player? Oh, God. Squinty <laughs> eyes of the, of the banjo player in Deliverance. And, I, and that's not a good thing. I don't think that reassures our allies. But just on stage, he was so detached. Do you believe any of our allies or foes are buying what he's saying at all? Oh, of course not. Uh, I mean, seriously, it's not hard to put yourself in the shoes of governments hostile to America right now and draw the conclusion that if you have designs to do anything uh, aggressive on the world stage, now is the time to do it. And you only have to look at Joe Biden. And I I actually think that the planning and plotting for this Hamas attack started way before even Afghanistan. I think Afghanistan was just the the final check mark to say, wow, this guy really is as feckless as we as we believe. So let's go ahead now. Um, It it just it's it's not a strong image for America. And I just don't think Israel at this moment appreciates Joe Biden stepping into the fray. So. Yeah, I agree with you. And I don't understand why. And as a matter of fact, some wiser Middle Eastern uh, leaders, such as the King of Jordan, said, yeah, don't, don't come here. <laughs> it's like, thanks, but no. And, and, and I think that's the danger is is that nature abhors a vacuum. vacuum. They don't like it doesn't. And, and so just the way Biden is acting, he's creating a vacuum. And I want to talk about Vladimir Putin in a bit, because uh, I, you know, underreported here, but well, very much reported elsewhere, is the fact that Putin's been on the phone with all these world leaders. But let's hold that for a second, because I want to talk about that as, as part of the, the changing fabric of the Middle East and how this administration doesn't seem to understand it. And I, that's where I want to go. Why doesn't Biden or Blinken? Now, Blinken is presented to the world, Cheryl, as this master of all masters of diplomacy. I mean, he's his, his, his supposed to be like blue-blooded uh, diploma. I mean, his, his father is supposed to have been involved in this. I mean, it's just like a family thing. Uh, is is Tony Blinken overrated? Well, I mean, he could be the greatest diplomat ever, but how do you strike a diplomatic deal with people who want to wipe you off the face of the earth? Good point. You know, is the compromise and we'll only wipe half of you off the face of the earth and destroy half of your nation? So it just, this is not a time for diplomacy. And it hasn't been a time for diplomacy for a very long time. Donald Trump saw that. Barack right. Obama did not. So Trump actually took action against the Iranians, which uh, I think is unique and um, was forecast to encourage more attacks. And it had the opposite effect, which was the assassination of uh, Qasem uh, Soleimani. And uh, Soleimani, as you know, Cheryl, and I think the audience probably would, would track this a little bit because I talked about it before. Soleimani was a guy who actually, I actually dealt with in Operation Darkheart, my first book. Uh, we had broken, we had discovered a, uh, a, a, the, the enablers of the insurgency against us in eastern Afghanistan, that is on the Pakistani border, were being funded by Iran. They were actually bringing things through Herat, moving it across the country and paying for the initial insurgency against us in 2003. So, uh, 
by the way, the, the, the administrations, both administrations did not dig that me talking about that as Bush 43 and Obama. That's one of the reasons they didn't like the book, because we're saying, yeah, the Iranians were early on involved in funding things against us. Soleimani was that. Soleimani did, in effect, uh, help shape and not only train and equip uh, those elements of Iran who were the militias in Iraq fighting against us. He actually provided technology to them that killed Americans. And yet, no administration was willing to do anything except Trump. Trump said, hey, enough's enough. I'm going to kill the guy. He killed the guy. And everybody's all upset. It's like, oh, my oh my goodness, he killed a terrorist. Yeah, he did. And then the opposite happened from all the foreign policy wonks, which I'd include Tony Blinken and those knuckleheads in that, too. Oh, this is going to cause more hate and discontent and more aggression. Like, no, it didn't. Shut it down. Uh, Trump seemed to understand making it personal, making those who are engaged in these acts of terror, pay a price was the way to go. Why Why is it Trump figured that out, which many of us figured out and supported them on, and Biden can't figure that out? You, you know, this touches on what you and I discussed on my podcast about the question of whether these people are stupid or they're incompetent or there's something deeper going on. And I think yeah. you and I both agree that not everybody in the Joe Biden administration is stupid. Not everybody is incompetent. So there's something behind the scenes that we in, a, in the American public aren't privy to see on a day-to-day -day basis. We're left to just theorize about it. But I think that is the natural conclusion when you look at the actions of this administration tied to the Barack Obama administration. And there's something deeper going on. And what it's called is tearing down America. And right. you just have to look at the actions and go past the rhetoric to see that everything that this administration does is aimed at driving America down and crippling our constitution and elevating players around the world that aren't even friendly to America. So would you describe this as a form of wokeism? Because wokeism seems to touch everything and destroy it as well. Do you believe that uh, this woke attitude, because... Part of what you're saying, Cheryl, I think, is reflected in, in Blinken's complete um, uh, un, uh, uh, dis, I don't know how to phrase it, what the correct way of describing it. He's all over the map. Uh, yes. He, Blinken, cannot Kinetic. state a clear policy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. So is it all about virtue signaling? Is that, is that, is that what they're trying to do here? Well, I actually see it a little bit deeper than that. I think the wokeness is part of it, right? I think yeah. the <clears throat> the Barack Obama started the actual destruction of America's military, and mm -hmm. it was really pushed through on steroids with this COVID shot under Joe Biden, destroying our military and getting rid of the best and the brightest. And so we have this weakened, woke type of military uh, that goes along with our culture in business and society right now. But I actually see it as a little bit something deeper because because my worldview is Christian conservatism. Mm -hmm. And I see all that takes place first through the eyes of the battle of evil versus good. And if you look at what this administration does, it certainly benefits the more evil players in the world than it does the good. So speaking of evil, let's talk about John Kirby. Yes. <laughs> sorry, John, sorry if, uh, if, if you're <laughs> listening, this offends you, but truth in advertising is a key component to the hard truth, just saying. So anyway, let's go back to John. So John, uh, besides being a snappy dresser and a great connoisseur of cool ties, uh, said in his uh, transiting the Atlantic uh, about how um, the policy, because we're talking about the policy objectives, he says something about 
oh, we, zero casualties is our goal. It's like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> get, yeah. Get, do you, what do you think John meant by that? I, I don't know. And look, I, I, I don't know John Kirby like you do. I've only seen him on news. And he, he's an interesting guy to me because, yes, he dresses snappy, snappy like you said, but his his image, it, it comes across as so genuine. You almost feel. As if, no, I give yes, him credit for that. You, you almost feel as if he's the truth teller outside the normal chains of the Joe Biden administration. So it's it's very it's very deceptive to somebody with discernment. Right. But you listen to what he says. And on one hand, he tells the people on on the plane that he's flying over there with that they're going to uh, insist on an upholding of international law and so forth. Uh, when it talks about <clears throat> engaging military forces. And then at the same time, though, he says, but they also insist on zero civilian casualties in the Gaza. And I, I don't understand how you can do that. That's that's not what Hamas did when they attacked right. Israel. So let's hit that point because we're crossing policy with a little bit of media right now. But I do want to circle back to the, the, the Biden and Blinken issues in a second. Much of what John says plays into this other narrative that I've seen in the global media saying, oh, the, the um, Israelis must restrain themselves. It's like, I'm sitting there listening to this, like, yeah, but Hamas didn't really restrain themselves. I mean, I'm, there's credible videos of kidnappings, of murders. Uh, I feel terrible about that poor German girl who was in the back of that truck naked being driven <laughs> around. It's like, uh, did they show restraint? I mean, I'm, I'm just asking because, you know, I don't see restraint on Hamas. Yet somehow now, a week later, a little over a week later, oh, no, no, no. We must be restrained. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to get in trouble for it, but I'm going to say it anyway. For better or for worse, the people of the of the of, of the Gaza Strip elected Hamas to be their, their political representations. Isn't, isn't that correct? I mean, 2007, am I getting history correct here? Uh, I think there's 52% support that the Washington Institute just found just a few weeks yeah. ago for uh, those in, in Gaza for uh, Hamas. So it's, it's the majority. So there you go. So I don't know, I'm trying to, to circle that square and I can't do it because when Kirby says things like, Oh, you know, then he's like, didn't I just see these credible videos of Hamas? And don't I recall that they've actually got prisoners to include ours, the American prisoners. And, and so I, I can't believe that we're seeing a, such a downplaying of the facts in favor of Hamas. So I, I consider John Kirby's comments to be essentially anti-Israeli. Am I going too far by saying that? It reminds me of Jane Fonda, right? Sitting yeah. atop the, uh, uh, the, the communist tank or whatever, and then pretend, pretending like just trying to get along with everybody. Look, yeah. the, the Hamas and all terror groups in general are experts at propaganda, oh, right? And, and this is what we're seeing right now, the turning in the media. Uh, first, we had the, the horror over the attack that Hamas terrorists did against Israel. But now we're seeing the tide turn and the media is sort of uh, focusing on the children and the women and the hospital that was just blown up in Gaza and so forth and putting it forth as if Israel has just 
crossed boundaries by killing all these people when at the same time, uh, the hospital that I just referenced, it was actually uh, a wayward rocket from the terrorists, right? right? I want to go through that, yeah. Yes, but you don't get Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez making that distinction. And this is the dangerous part, Tony, right? This is where the world shifts and turns against Israel. So, yeah, so I want to hit that because Kirby seems to already be feeding the narrative. Oh, you know, we've got to sh push, pull back the Israelis. Yeah. And um, to your point, I, I was confronted several times today on, on interviews on this point. It's like, well, who do you think did it? I think I think uh, the Islamic Jihad did it. One of the groups within uh, the area that's not necessarily controlled by Hamas, but they're a sister organization. And I, I just I'm just saying, like, I look at. The timestamps. So basically, everybody, nobody disagrees when the, the bomb hit. The bomb hit when it hit. The question becomes, was it uh, derived from the West, from a bomb? I've seen reports, it's, oh, it's this, this type bomb derived, you know, made by us. Like, I don't think so. There's no, you know, there's no indication, indicators that that's what it is. But there are indicators that they were firing off a cluster of these unguided munitions towards the Israelis. And on the path of that flight is... The hospital. So to me, it's per, it's ample. Plus, you have the Israelis releasing audio, which is very sensitive about Hamas talking about, hey, we kind of did it. I find that very credible. I find that at least is credible that there's some uh, Hamas knucklehead more credible than some Hamas knucklehead said, no, no, it was the West. It's not the West. And I just get tired when uh, the U.S. media won't pick up and actually tell the truth. I, I, I you know, if the Israelis did it, <clears throat> I'd be critical. It's like, you know, that wasn't a legitimate target of war. That's something they should rethink. But they didn't do it. They didn't. As a matter of fact, I think they are indeed trying to avoid casualties of civilian targets like that. But what are we to make of our own media and John Kirby reinforcing that, basically taking sides against uh, the truth? Well, we're to be extremely critical of the media. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to sidestep a little bit on what you said, that you might be critical if Israel did actually um, hit hit this hospital. I think the bigger question here is not who hit the hospital, but it really doesn't matter because Israel is at war. And look, Hamas is the one that started this. Why does Israel have to be the one to back off and take the casualties and suck it up, which only would embolden further terrorism well, against Israel down the line with uh, an America just doing the diplomatic dance again. If Israel ended up being the one who hit this hospital and women and children are dead, that's on Hamas. That's on the terrorists. And I think that's the narrative that we really need to keep focusing on. What is their fault, no matter what, how you cut it? Yes. Because they elected Hamas. They've created conditions yes. for this. One of the other things that I want to talk about briefly before we get back to Blinken, because this does relate to Blinken's recent uh, <laughs> diplomatic. No, there, there's a method to my madness. Trust me on this. So speaking of Hamas, the United Nations has spent millions, if not billions, on trying to help uh, both, the, both the West Bank and uh, the Gaza Strip to basically become an economically uh, self-sufficient and viable society. Uh, they've tried their best to give them uh, civil projects to have water, and they've taken those projects and dug the pipes out of the ground and turned them into missiles. Not, not a good thing. Uh, they've taken all these other resources they've given them instead of developing that into a viable uh, economic uh, a series of, of uh, opportunities for the people, they've basically uh, built tunnels. They've taken all the technology they could have built roads and 
businesses with and said, ah, we're just going to build tunnels and, and do things to, to basically attack the, uh, the Israelis. I believe this is, I don't expect you to comment on this, but I, I do believe that the Oslo II Accord in 95 created conditions for a two-state solution. And, and let me, let me give you my thinking on this. When that was signed on the White House lawn, nobody was for a two-state solution. But within the context of Oslo II, you had the establishment of these zones where the Palestinians were going to be kind of left to their own devices. Let me say this in, in a way that I think the audience would understand. I believe had the Palestinians worked their behinds off to establish an economic success story where basically they focus on trying to build up and promote their own people and their own interests as a society, they would be a two-state solution. Instead, instead, what they did is they took and, and took those resources and just started attacking the Israelis. Uh, I think there would have been a natural commingling of the Israelis and Palestinians if both were seeking peace. I, I sincerely believe this is, the Israelis are seeking peace. I do not believe Hamas is seeking peace. So uh, that's the conditions I think we're faced with right now is that you've had a state, uh, well, you've had a, a territory with the, the, uh, the Gaza Strip and Hamas who have basically said one of their tenant uh, foundational principles is we need to destroy the Israelis. So I don't see how you can circle that square, Cheryl. Is if you've got a territory that says they're going to kill you, I don't see how you're supposed to do that. And the UN has only been able has only poured fuel under that fire. And then we have too, because there's been funding that we fought against back during the Obama uh, years, where we thought that funding was being diverted from the Palestinian Authority to Hamas and other terrorist groups. So why why are why is it that our side doesn't understand this? Because the, the, I don't think these things I just said are are hard to understand. No, they're not hard to understand. Um, there's a willful willfulness that goes along with the reluctance to understand. And so, look, I, I was just in Israel. I was there in December, January. And there are uh, Muslims who uh, walk all around Jerusalem. They're, they're allowed to go anywhere. Um, they, there are no prohibitions. Uh, on where uh, Arabs, on where Palestinian people can go, uh, they can travel freely. But Jews right. can't. Jews can't go into Gaza, right? right? They haven't been in Gaza since I think it was two thousand and six. And so, th there's there's a definite division there about who wants peace versus exactly. who does not want peace. And we we talked briefly on the fifty two percent of Palestinians who voted for Hamas, but that doesn't even get into the eighty five percent or so who support groups like Lions Den and there's another terrorist organization um, PLN I think is the name that Palestinians by and large support terror groups in some respect maybe not all Hamas but there are other ones that they support just as equally. So that brings me back to Tony Blinken. And isn't he a great rock and roller? I don't know why he didn't join the Rolling Stones. Good voice, you know? I good mean, voice, right? <laughs> yeah. Did you know that in college, his uh, he was in a band and his nickname was Spanky Banana? Did you know that? Oh, no, no, no. Maybe Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez danced to him at one point. Well, right? I could only imagine what kind of a Spanky Banana that would have been, just saying. So anyway, back to the serious topics of Tony it's Blinken. So everything you've just outlined, I think, summarizes where we're at relating to Blinken's failed diplomacy, the shuttle diplomacy, because Tony Blinken went forward ahead of Biden's visit, and he visited with President al-Sisi, who, by the way, is a War College graduate, great guy, uh, president of Egypt, 
uh, the king of uh, Jordan. We've had really great relationships with. We've got bases in Jordan, which we we kind of acknowledge but don't. And then he went and talked to the the Saudis, and across the board he was rejected. The uh, first off, he started with Al Sisi. And by the way, this people can go look this up because the State Department put the readout of these meetings on their their site. So I'm not talking about anything that cannot be verified directly independently. Al Sisi chewed him out. Basically, it's like no, we're not taking the refugees. Sorry. And I think there's a couple of different reasons for that. First off, the, Egypt is now on a path of actually kind of stabilizing. Al-Sisi came in after it took, took over from the Muslim Brotherhood, and they've been on a path of recovery. And plus, we we screwed things up when we destabilized Libya. Trust me, I've talked to the Egyptian chief of intelligence about that. So Al-Sisi's been working his butt off to stabilize his country and make it better for his people. The last thing they want, Cheryl, is a bunch of knuckleheads coming in from the Gaza Strip who are going to start basically drawing attention and draw and being terrorists. So I can see why I said no. Same with Jordan. It's like, we don't want these folks. This, the, the Arab world is serially rejected, serially rejected any movement of the Palestinians into their territories and Blinken failed. So any, any, any thoughts on that? Well, I, I think we should continue to reject them too. Uh, <laughs> it, our, our borders I, I think are, so. Uh, are already porous. And, uh, you know, we have that little problem with those tens of thousands of Chinese uh, uh, communists who were just discovered uh, crossing the border along with Middle Eastern men between the ages of 18 and 25. So add to that Palestinian refugees, who knows what we'll have in this country. So, you know, I I understand the, the surrounding nations not wanting to take the people and which is another consideration why Hamas should not have attacked Israel and for yeah. America to put pressure on our allies and other nation governments to take these people, it it really doesn't advance discussions and it certainly isn't very diplomatic. Well, speaking of that, now we'll, we'll continue this on part two with uh, our extended team. Uh, during the time that the, the Biden administration has been fecklessly working to do whatever they're doing, a lack of policy resolve or focus, Putin's been making the rounds, calling everybody. So we'll talk about that in part two of the show. Anyway, we're going to take a break right now. This is uh, Tony Schaefer, uh, Hard Truth, powered by Six Hour. We'll be back with part two after this short break. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code 
out loud. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Hey, this is the Hard Truth Tony Schaefer, part two, powered by Six Hour Never Settle. I had a choice of what I carried in combat. I always carried the best. I do recommend you carry the best now, just like I do. Carry Six Hour. Never so. We're on America Out Loud Talk Radio Network and on their podcast network. Check them out. Check us out. We are Project Sentinel, ProjectSentinel.com and ProjectSentinel.net. And of course, on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Rumble, and all the other sites that you can think of. So we're continuing our discussion today with Cheryl Chumley from the uh, from the uh, Bold and Blunt podcast of the Washington Times. She's been a good sport putting up with my snarkiness and it only gets thicker here, Cheryl, just saying. So we're going to roll into part two and we're joined by the statistically, statistically significant Elizabeth Breckenkamp and the, okay. the ever cordial uh, and, and, and corny Chris Cordani. So here we go. I'll go with that. The corn yes. nut. <laughs> and here we go. Deja vu all over again, as uh, Yogi Berra once said. All right. So we're going to continue our discussion. So Cheryl, we just wrapped up. And I was just kind of going through the Blinken the blink and wink and a nod failure of diplomacy of the mm. Biden White House. I mean, it's just been atrocious. Uh, and I, I'm not just kidding. Joe Biden looks so, ter- I mean, 
I, I can't believe they, they put him out on stage looking as bad as he did. I think he did more damage on stage with Netanyahu than I, they, they fully understand. Mm-hmm. And no amount of, of, of snazzy John Kirby uh, speaking all glib with his, uh, his $500 Georgetown ties is going to make up for that. But let's talk about the other mm-hmm. side of the coin, which is Vladimir Putin. I always have to say this because I get in trouble otherwise. I do a lot of media just like you do. I do WMAL and I'm on, I'm doing Newsmax later today as part of my normal routine. Um, I'm not pro-Putin, but Putin is in a position right now to look like the strong horse. He's actually done uh, telephonic diplomacy. So while Blinken was doing all this failure, he, Putin, was on the phone with uh, President el-Sisi, the King of Jordan, uh, with the Prince of, of, of uh, Saudi Arabia, and Netanyahu. He's spoken to all these people, Cheryl. So um, what do you make of Putin jumping into the game right now? He did that under Barack Obama, too, if you remember in Syria, where he jumped right. in and Barack Obama kept drawing the red line, the red line, la-di-da, and Putin oh. jumped, jumped in. And he was able to take over the world stage and, and emerge as this strong figure while Barack Obama was wearing sandals and eating ice cream cones on Nantucket or whatever. So for, for Putin <laughs> to for Putin What's to do with ice cream. Huh. I, I don't know. <laughs> ice cream above, I'm sorry. Yeah, I guess well, it runs with the Democrats, right? The, 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 the Biden ice cream thing. Oh, ice cream, yeah. Well, the Biden ice cream thing, don't you just uh are you supposed to give ice cream to, let's say, um, seniors who are kind of suffering from yes. uh, memory problems or it calms them. To calm them yeah, down? Calms them. That's right. So they don't say anything stupid. I understand right. his uh, favorite uh, actual flavor is dill pickle. Just saying. I don't know if that's true or not, but I've heard that. So. Oh, God. Anyway, anyway. Favorite. Well, but, maybe. I don't know. I don't know these things. Anyway, well, back on the topic, though. So, but, and, and Cheryl, to your point, Last time I checked, now the, the Russians have permanent bases in Syria, right? Am I am I right about that? I I, I believe so. I, yeah. I mean, I know that Russia has arms agreements with Iran, which should be a concern right now. Should. And, and like you said, with him on the phone with everybody, it just seems like Joe Biden is the weak uh, kid being pushed in the corner. And here comes Putin again with Russia. Yes. To, to be the strong yes. old leader. Yeah. So how is the American media missing this? Because to me, we're just talking here. We're just having a conversation, looking through the fact. How is it the American media isn't picking up on this? They don't care. <laughs> oh, they it's don't not part care. of the narrative. Keep in mind, right. keep in mind, they're setting with Nazis and telling them to hide their uniform, their Nazi logos when fighting against <laughs> Russia. There's some, uh, and, and of course, now there are, many of them are trying as hard as they can to report this without uh, through their teeth apparently just yeah. like the old monica Lewinsky stories they the report them like they were reluctantly reporting what's going on you're paying chris right you're and, paying. and now, now there's report oh. they were, yep and they were jumping on this whole thing with gaza and now yeah. we're, as we're taping uh-huh. on, on the wednesday we're hearing reports out oh, oh not the hospital didn't explode didn't blow up we're not even sure who actually did it but now mm. the fire seemed to have been in a parking lot oh please yeah so again these are reports uh not nothing right. is Nothing is definitive, but this is what's happening. So, but uh, Cheryl, you're a member of the media, and technically I am too, although I try not to be. Um, <laughs> Mainstream. It's, it's very Why clear that, yes. well, no, I mean, it's like, but I th- I've seen your work. We've had discussions. I think we're obligated as members of the media in some form to actually kind of use facts and tell the truth. Am I, am, I mean, am I missing something here? 
Because it seems no. to me the rest of the media ignores that. <laughs> but the, the rest of the media just runs around and goes for the clicks and the racy headlines for the most part, right? Those are the ones that aren't like the, the deep state plants. And mm -hmm. But by and large, though, journalists these days, to me, the big problem is they report absent context, right? Yeah. So they'll report on this bombing or that bombing, but they won't slide in the story somewhere about some sort of context where you as a reader can draw the conclusion, oh, this was retaliation versus aggression, which is key points when you're covering wars. So uh, last night I did prep for this because I did. I knew I was going to be talking about this very topic all day. I educated myself in a, an hour on the issues of right. Putin and Biden. It's not hard to do. It's not hard to do. And when people are paid to be professionals, I think, the, the, dare I say they should be professionals. I mean, I'm not being upset with you. I mean, you're great. I'm just saying that, that there are clearly members of the media, Washington Post, uh, mm -hmm. New York Times, who essentially have basically abandoned all interest in factual reporting. And essentially, to your point, they, they're emotional, they focus on a narrative, and essentially they are the lapdogs of whoever you want to, it's not even the right or left anymore. I don't even consider, because I know I'm friends with Tulsi Gabbard. I love Tulsi. So, I mean, you know what I mean. And uh, she's she left that party because of the very thing that we're talking about here, a complete reluctance to, to, to actually accept facts, objective facts as the, the coin of the realm. And I think it's a dangerous thing because now where we're at is actually putting on, us on a, on, on a path of war. I've, I've spoken to people this mm -hmm. morning, some of who I rarely have contact with saying, Colonel, is it as bad as we think, as it looks? And then I, I, my answer is, yeah, it kind of is now. What, what do you think, mm -hmm. Cheryl? I mean, I'm looking at Russia and how Russia historically operates, right? They're long game, they're, they're deceptive and so forth. And I'm looking at our, uh, our, our aircraft that we, aircraft destroyer that we put in the area, the Gerald Ford carrier, uh, which is one of the, the best ships in the world, right? It is. And, and I'm wondering if perhaps Russia has some sort of end game of drawing us into this engagement to weaken us further on the world stage and weaken us militarily to open us up to some sort of attack against America or uh, surge across the border where we get more plants of hostile players in America. I just, I'm looking at Israel and Hamas as one war, but I'm also trying to look beyond that and what Russia is doing with the sneaky Putin in charge, who yeah. never, I think, renounced his KGB roots. I mean, that's just ridiculous. No, and wondering what they have in store for America with our open borders. So it's, it's not even just yeah. that. I want to throw in something else. Sure. I, I know I jumped in on you, Tony, there. That's okay. But it's, it's, a, it's a long game with Putin. He's playing with the uh, Middle East situation, trying to make us look weak and bad. But he's also doing this on the economic front where the BRICS nation, and we, and we cannot stop paying attention to this, the BRICS nations are trying to supplant the dollar, and the R in right. BRICS is obviously Russia. And the C, of course, is China. They're trying to do their best to uh, take us down at any way possible. Now, apparently, we're doing that too, but that's a different story for a different day. So let's, let's break that a little bit. So, um, Cheryl, on that point, I've said multiple times, you can, you can take the man out of the Soviet Union. You can't take the Soviet Union out of the man. And that's, that's yeah. Putin. Putin is, is Putin. And it's, it's so funny in the old days when Barack Obama told Mitt Romney, oh, the 80s want their national, it's like, no, I, you fundamentally don't understand it. <laughs> so speaking of that, so we've had leaders who were smart enough to not get us involved in a ground, large ground war in Syria. 
Uh, I know H.R. McMaster walked in twice to talk to Trump about, oh, we need to put 500,000 troops into Syria. It's like, no. As a matter of fact, uh, my friend and uh, former chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Joe Dunford, said, I don't want us in, in Syria because if we put people in Syria, they're going to be looking for things to do and we're going to, it's going to get out of control. So God bless the fact that Trump and others said, that's a, that's a tar baby we don't want to get in the middle of. That's something we don't want. <laughs> With that said, it did, I don't think the Biden administration is smart enough to figure it out. It's like, yeah, they're, they're not trying to actually encourage you to do the right thing for the region. They're trying to get you bogged down so they can do things elsewhere globally. Is that, do you think that's an accurate assessment of what Putin's trying to do? Oh, I definitely do. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's common sense, right? You you don't even have to have a degree in international studies or anything like that. If if you want to put yourself in the minds of, of an enemy, it, it's simple. Now's the time to strike under Joe Biden. And how you do it is to weaken our military to, to distract us from insurgencies into our border, in, insurgencies into America, and then strike before Joe Biden is out of office. And I just think that you can't look at the, the the border crossings we've had, historic levels of men ages like 18 to 25 from mm -hmm. China and from the Middle mm -hmm. East, massive crossings into our border. I, I don't think you can look at that separate from what Putin's designs are ultimately, as well as what's going on in Israel with Hamas. I just see it all being played together and exploited by some people who in governments who are much more clever than Joe Biden, which is to say pretty much anybody and everyone. Except for mm -hmm. Fetterman. Except for oh, Fetterman. Wow. Yes. <laughs> and, and, may, and maybe that Cortez lady, but uh, that's a different story <laughs> for a different She's time. A blank slate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's being a blank slate is not all bad. I mean, most of Hollywood's a blank, blank slate, just saying. So, <laughs> Yeah. Just like a have, sponge, they'll, they'll absorb anything people tell them, and they'll think right. about it. So, Elizabeth, any questions? Anything you want to get into? Oh, well, you know, I was just, I know you're talking a lot about Putin, but I was yeah. um, um, just trying to follow along, you know, with Biden's trip to Israel and, mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of like... Um, going online, trying to see, you know, his itinerary, his daily itinerary, which, you know, anybody can look up. Um, and it just shows like maybe not even an hour ago, Biden is in Tel Aviv. Well, he was, and he was cautioning the Israelis not to be consumed by rage, which, you know, I understand you don't want to, you have to think <laughs> rashly, but he also said the vast majority of the Palestinian, the Palestinians are not a affiliated with Hamas. I think that's interesting. It is. That but he wanted to say that, like, he's trying to make it sound like, you know, Hamas is not who you think it is. It's like, what do you think about that? Well, Elizabeth, one of the things I think, and maybe Cheryl back me up on this, we invaded a whole country over 9-11. Yeah. I mean, uh, we went into Afghanistan. We were pretty upset. I was I was there for that. And um, I think it's a bit of um, hypocrisy, if you ask me. Cheryl, yeah. what do you think? I mean, oh. I Biden is nothing but a hypocrite, but yeah. What do I think? I, th I think if I'm a family member of one of the American hostages who are being held by terrorist ha Hamas right now, that I'm preparing for a burial. I'm preparing for the worst announcement because when he makes statements like that, all he is doing is giving a, a go-ahead uh, chant to the terrorist groups who are, exactly. are just exploiting the situation now. Mm -hmm. So um, to carry on Elizabeth's question regarding the perception. So Lloyd Austin said within the last 24 hours, 
that he's not worried that we have the ability to take on two separate fronts and support those. Do you believe that, Cheryl? Lloyd Austin, the same guy that told us our Afghanistan withdrawal was a success. That's what <laughs> no, I, I do not believe that. That guy. Yeah, that, yeah, guy. that guy. That's the guy. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> he's that no Steve Austin. Out. That's what I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, and, and so Elizabeth's point, I think, is well taken, and, and they're just speaking out of both sides of their mouth, and I don't think mm -hmm. it's actually creating conditions for us to be successful, because to your point, Cheryl, we still have Americans in harm's way. And the fact that the Biden administration, and before that, the uh, Obama administration negotiated with terrorists, I think is just emboldened those to take prisoners and hold people ransom. I think it's getting, it's mm -hmm. going to get worse. And I think they're, uh, I think John Kirby even admitted that uh, they're now negotiating with Hamas over this. So I don't see how that's healthy, that, that we're negotiating with Hamas over getting our, 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 our prisoners back. Not that I'm saying we should do nothing. I just don't know if that's going to net us anything. So, you know, I said, I know it's a pretty harsh thing to say. I, I, I agree with you, right? And this is the problem with having a president who does not understand foreign policy, because you can't come into the White House office and expect to just react to things as they happen. You have right. to start early and send out a narrative that you're a strong leader, right? That's what Ronald Reagan did. That's Absolutely. why it, day one, the hostages were released with Ronald Reagan because oh, he yeah. started early. And so if you keep that up, like Donald Trump did too, you never knew where Donald Trump stood on drawing a line of using military might versus diplomacy, name calling versus taking strong action. That's what you need to to do, but Democrats don't get that. And no. I don't know if it's a, they don't want to get that for some deeper reason, or they just, they just don't have the mental competency to grasp that. One of my friends and mentors was Bud McFarland. God rest his soul. Bud was a, an amazing man. So Bud uh, would often instruct me on how Reagan did things. And he told me a couple of stories, how Reagan, like for example, the Reykjavik meeting between he and Gorbachev, uh, Reagan would insist that Bud put together a full targeting package, if you will, on whoever he's going up to negotiate against. Reagan played the man. Reagan understood the dynamics of personal relationships, and he wasn't below or above bluffing in a way to make people do things or, or think things. And Reagan was always playing that game. He was always out there pushing the envelope. I, I don't think, I think the only thing Joe Biden could probably push right now is a walker. And probably not well. So, <laughs> even that he needs help, right? That's mm. why his wife's always next to him. <laughs> Two words for you, Woodrow Wilson. Same it's thing good with thing the his wife's presidents. a doctor. Yeah, <laughs> doctor. Right. Oh, ouch. She, well, sort of. She's, she's a doctor of dental proctology. What are you talking? About? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she carries around an IV bag with her everywhere she goes. And I carries around a bag of something. I think Doctor Johnny Fever has a has more of a medical degree. <laughs> That's a flashback. That go. was a funny show. And yeah. turkeys can't fly. So we, we do have fly. one. And that is one of Tony's takes, by the way. Oh, it is. Thanksgiving take for Tony. Ooh. However, do want to ask these questions because Tony's takes is powered by Sig Sauer. Never settle. Never settle. That's Never right. Settle. By the way, you can find uh, a little more about Sig Sauer on our website, thehardtruthwithtony.com. That's right. The premiere of the new website, thehardtruthwithtony.com, right. coming soon. So, uh, We've been coordinating that with our allies, haven't we? We have. Oh, we might even have TonySchaefer.com coming soon. There we, we go. Might. I know that guy. I've met him. There we go. <laughs> Let's get your takes on this one, though. After 
you've heard this one after a load of Harvard students signed a position, a petition in full support of Hamas and its rampage attack against the Israeli citizens. Now I'm going to note this primarily women and children, teens to virtue signal. Uh, when it becomes public, several wall street businesses decided that, Hey, we're not going to hire these idiots. Now, these kids are, and, and assorted Wokies around them, are crying foul over it, effectively. Effectively, those who reveled in the idea of, un, of, canceling, not un, sorry, of canceling those who disagree with them are taking this uh, uh, their own bitter medicine. What say yeah. you, Tony? So I like the way you described them as a load of students, because there's a lot of load there, just saying. Definitely. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And I think maybe the people who are going to hire them recognized a load when they saw it. And it has to do with what you smell when you go by a big old slaughterhouse in Texas. (laughs) Some of these, some of these kids are saying, well, well, I didn't read what was on it. Well, that's great. I wouldn't hire you for that reason either. I know who would hire them, Bud Light. And they'd say, we need you you in our marketing. We need new marketing people for Bud Light. Because you're so in touch with your feelings. Yeah, I feel your pain. I feel your pain. I feel your pain. But even if they didn't, even if they didn't stand like that and weren't reading, I wouldn't hire them either because they don't even pay attention to what they're signing. They're more. Carol, would you would you all hire those folks at the at the Washington Times? Oh gosh, no. Maybe to clean my toilets. Maybe would you want want them producing your show, Cheryl? All right, not happening. No, it's so funny when they're faced with their own hypocrisy. They just. They just can't handle it. It's like they just break down. No, they they cancel. They can't. They would cancel conservatives if 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 this was reversed. So yeah, yeah. I'm I'm glad to see them taking their own medicine. It's they great. would cancel mm-hmm. conservatives if we uh, only brushed our teeth with red toothbrushes because that symbolizes <laughs> that you wouldn't want to touch a blue one. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but what say you again, Tony? Another take from you about okay. this. Hey, All right. The good thing about this is people like them. Uh, the, the squadlings and others, uh, these yes. book professors are showing their true colors instead of hiding behind uh, uh, the little walls. Well, no, I mean, my take is uh, I, I enjoy the comedy of uh, uh, Ocasio-Cortez. I mean, this has given me comedy gold. I mean, look at all the people who are speaking out and saying stupid things that we now can make fun of. John Kirby and his snappy ties, Ocasio-Cortez and her dance moves that were done at the Boston University. By the way, did she, does she have a master in dance? Is that why she came to fame? Is, uh, I think she had a minor in dance. I, I will say props to her on the uh, on the Breakfast Club thing. I, I, a lot of these kids don't even know what the Breakfast Club is. I'll give one to her. That's her one point. Hmm. After so, that, downhill. So Cheryl, this is a good question though to you. So we have a number of members of Congress who clearly are siding with terrorists. I mean, they've openly said it. What do you think should be the remedy regarding the, you know, if, if Jim, say if Jim Jordan wins, I love Jim, Jim and I are friends. I love Jim. I hope he does win. That's should there mean. be something done by Jim against these members of Congress who have clearly spoken out and undermined uh, the free world's interest in holding terrorists accountable? Uh, any thoughts on that? Uh, I think they should be stripped of any committee assignments uh, that has dealings with foreign affairs and and overseas interests and so forth and start with that. I mean, you have to take a strong stand and shut down this anti-Semitic talk. Otherwise, it festers and grows. Well, you're right. That's a good point. The Swalwell treatment. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's Mm -hmm. like we last time I checked that World War Two was bad. uh, (laughs) The Holocaust was bad. Uh, mm-hmm. We recognize the right of the Israelis to exist. Oh, by the way, the UN created Israel, right? 1948, as I recall. So how is it then we can have these people who literally 
essentially they're, they're putting forth, that is the squad, and let me be very clear on this so I don't get in trouble, they are putting forth essentially not Nazi ideology by what they're saying. I don't know how they can get away with that. Yeah, I they can. Yeah, I, I was about to say, I think they can. You know, people aren't taught history any longer and youthful generations are taught to hate America and blame America and uh, by logical extension, blame Israel for what ails the world. So I think it's what, what Chris just said, because they can. Mm. Right. All right, Tony, Cheryl, Elizabeth, let's get your take on this one. John Fetterman appears on Stephen Colbert's show. No, I'm not going to pronounce it the way he pr- wants to pronounce it. Anyway, he goes, yeah, he's not the, French. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing it, but he goes, the best and brightest are not being sent to Congress. I loosely translate that as in, in, into English. Hello, pot. My name is Kettle. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that. And I thought it was fake at first. It's like, oh, that's really? so funny. <laughs> It's, it's like Joe Biden espousing the need to protect children from taking showers with their dads. <laughs> no, no, just saying. Just saying. It's you got to give him points for just, you know, have being bold enough to say that statement because everybody in the world is thinking like you, like you, John. <laughs> yeah. He's bold enough for dressing up like the gym teacher on, uh, on the Goldbergs. And I think both of them, the first one and the second one. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, what's interesting. Coach Rick, Coach Nick. Yeah. I hate to say this, but some people, you just look at them and you wonder about what their grooming habits really are and what it's like to be in a room with them. You know, (laughs) I mean, I just wonder if uh, how often he washes that stuff or something he just kind of throws on at random and hopes for the best that day. So I'm amazed he's married. Oh, I'm not. I'm not. She's a committed Marxist. Have you seen her? It's like yeah, she's she's the female Che Guevara, for goodness sake. And she's just no, missing I just the beard. Need to physically share a room with him. Oh well. <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, and, and another and a note on Stephen Colbert. I'll tell you what, it's funny. All these um, all, all these late night lefties. Uh, what what happened to late night comedy? It's been terrible. And and what really bothers me about Stephen Colbert is nobody really care. Uh, and, and a lot of these, a lot of these far left people seem to look at this guy and say, "Wow, he has glasses. That means he's smarter than me." Like they look at Joe Biden and say, "Wow, he wears sunglasses. That means he's cool." And he whispers. He whispers when he's hot when he talks. That means he's Cheryl, smart. Don't, so. don't say that. Cheryl, don't say that. Uh-huh. Not creepy at all. <laughs> yeah, Seth Meyers isn't funny. Um, I think Jimmy Fallon's kind of funny, but funny looking. He's but right. yeah. And Jimmy Kimmel hasn't been funny since when, since when Ben Stein's money. I think, I think, uh, toe fungus is funnier than Jimmy Kimmel. Just saying. <laughs> oh, Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. Jimmy Kimmel's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Fallon's kind of funny sometimes, but anyway, Fallon. he's only as funny as his writers, which is funny because my daughter-in-law, uh, is a writer for the tonight show. I, I love, uh, I still still, and Chris knows this cause I've admitted to it. I steal Johnny Carson jokes to this day. Johnny Carson was just funny. Period. He was and he, he went on both sides. And I, I just miss Johnny. I, I, I miss the apolitical. Let's just make fun of everybody and, and have a good time because mm-hmm. it just is not like that anymore. And I, I'm going to go on record. I'm predicting the, the fall, the demise of late night TV. They're, they're just going to get rid of these guys because they're too expensive and they're not funny. So well, that's like that's like saying the uh, Earth's going to spin tomorrow, too. That's <laughs> right. It's, it's going to happen. Chris, have you yeah. thought about getting your own talk show? I do have one, but it's not very good. So, I it is good. No, 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 no,
It is good. It's called no, you know, the no, House Lounge. And, and we have some great discussions. As a matter of fact, we're coming up. My, my friend Bob Hayes has agreed to join us, right? My friend Bob, who uh, sent happy birthday to me. You know. We're doing another one with Taco again, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very entertaining. I like it. Yeah. So so we're going to have Bob K- Hayes and my friend Doomcock, the future ruler of Earth, on. And, you know, we're going to be talking about all sorts of movies that could not be made today, right? That's Which right. is a lot. We'll be doing that. We're doing so, some horror. We're doing horror movies and stuff like that with Taco, and we're, we have a couple more down the road too. I've got, so I got to do this because I Bob Bob called me on my birthday. Sure, I don't know if you know Bob Hayes from Airplane and I are, are close friends. So Bob calls oh, me man. on my birthday, and he's trying to explain to me uh, uh, Shatner and, and lingerie, and I thought he was serious, so I, I ruined the joke. It's like and I said, well, I know Bill Shatner. You know Bill Shatner. What are you talking about this? You ruined my joke. <laughs> so I so I owe it to to. to 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 to, uh, to hit, get him on a show that we can make up for me not not being a lot not allowing him to be funny, just genius. So. And he's let him talk jokes. Yeah. Right. So we are here at the end of another stellar episode of the Hard Truths Tony Schaefer. And so Cheryl, thank you for joining us and putting up with our our shenanigans here at the end. We always like to have things a little bit lighter than usual. Yes. And uh, still put out solid foreign policy and national security information to our audience. And so that's what they tune in for. So. Anyway, uh, thanks. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to us. Thank you, Elizabeth, Chris, and again, Cheryl, for being here today. We will be back again next week with another episode of The Hard Truth. Uh, be sure and check out Six Sour, uh, Never Settle, and check out Shady Curry, who does our bumper music uh, and theme. Uh, always out doing great stuff, and we'll see you again real soon. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>